Hey everybody, welcome to episode 212 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is, of course, Cam Brennan, and my co-host joins me from across the internet, Mr. Dave Hogue. Good evening. Good evening. How's it going? Uh, it's going it's going well. So, we um, celebrated a major holiday since we last talked, and... I guess we're quickly closing in on another. This year went by fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's... No, no for you. <laughs> well, no, no, it has. But like, have I shared with you my... my this is my theory of relativity, not Einstein's. <laughs> and the idea that... I, I, I feel like I've said this on the show before. Um, but you know what? I'm going to say it again because I have a microphone. Uh, that our relationship with time get skewed as we get older because each day right. is less and less and less and less and less of a percent of our, yeah. our history right and so when you're a kid christmas happens when christmas is supposed to happen because the calendar is like an actual thing 12 months is actually like a large part of your life right you know when you're five yeah. it's 20 percent of your life to go from your fourth christmas to your fifth uh don't check my math on that internet. I I might be wrong there. But the point is I'm in my mid 30s. You are in your early, early 50s. 50s. I still don't believe you when you say that. I still <laughs> but the re, like time flies because 12 months isn't that big of a deal for us anymore percentage-wise. Like our experience right. is so much greater than that that it just it in my brain it makes sense that the more we experience in life, the faster time moves or our perception of it moving is obviously, yeah. you know, it's a fairly steady thing. We have an atomic clock like, you know, we've got this thing down to a science, but our perception of it speeds yep. up because and also because the, the tricky part about that, too, is like we remember such a small fraction of what actually happened to us, at least in our conscious minds. Our subconscious holds on to all sorts of garbage and nonsense that's mm -hmm. happened to us. Right. But our ability to recollect stuff from fourth grade, generally not great. Yeah. Unless it was either really good or real bad. But just like the run-of-the-mill stuff, we just forget about. But anyways, that's been this yep. week in existentialism or <laughs> existential dread, depending on your, your, you know, your bent. But... Huh. So I'm not sure how to transition out of that into our book. Uh, you could just say we're on chapter nine. Oh, see, Dave, this is why <laughs> you are the adult in the relationship. And and I believe this is going to be our last discussion. Well, we haven't decided if we're going to do the epilogue and like a recap episode. Or oh, OK. What. So stay tuned. I mean, the epilogue is like a whole like five or six pages long. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't it, read it yet. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> so I don't know if it's worth discussing or not. And guess what, listener? You'll find out what we decide next episode because <laughs> we haven't decided yet. Nope. How's that for some uh, some uh, teasing, some marketing, if you will? All right. Chapter yes. nine of Hearing God. It's called A Life More Than Guidance. And as he does with every chapter, uh, Willard has a couple of quotes that he has above the beginning of a chapter sort of to set the tone. And um, 
I want to read the second one, which is Proverbs 2, 3 through 5, which I have thoughts on, but it goes like this. Uh, If you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And this idea of of seeking and searching and finding uh, and pursuing and putting in the work and the effort and the time to pursue God like silver, right? Is a key theme for like the first half of this chapter. And that's one of those verses that I feel like is really easy to go, yeah, that, so yeah. good, and then go sit on the couch for the rest of the day. <laughs> and it, it it just, it it is one of the times in the Bible, and this happens regularly, where I'll read a verse or two or three or whatever, and I'm like, you know, that makes so much sense. If I actually did what that says, then the the conclusion that it draws makes total sense. If I Mm -hmm. actually sought out wisdom, if I asked God for understanding, if I pursued knowledge of him with the type of effort that someone who is seeking a great treasure, right, Mm -hmm. would seek, then of course God would be like, I hear you go because I'm showing up. Routinely, right. I'm in, I'm engaged in the relationship. I'm offering what I have to God. I'm asking Him to share more of Him, and it's not just drive-through prayer like this. And it's just one of those verses where I'm like, "Well, duh, well, duh." If you actually show up, God's gonna be like, "Yeah, here you go. Here's here's more knowledge of me. Here's more understanding of me. Here's more wisdom." And I get frustrated. Because, like I said earlier, I'm just like, eh, I'll have wisdom later. I'm going to go back to the couch because it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and this is not the first time we've had this type of discussion on the show. Um, but the fact that I keep coming back to it shows that I still have uh, some some room for improvements, Dave, in, in quite a few areas of my life, I might say. Um, sure. But this, I just, it's just such a practical like we're we're so often looking for what's the formula, what are the three steps, right? And we always joke like, oh, read your Bible, pray every day, go to church. But this is like, no, if you cry out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Like if you just show up and you study, like we'll get into it more as we read this, but like if you study scripture and you spend intentional time praying and and listening to God and asking God to, as Dallas will say later in the chapter, to, to reveal his voice through people, through books, through magazines, through circumstances, for stuff that goes on in your life. If that is a consistent thread, Dallas says, you will understand the fear of the Lord and the uh, knowledge of God. Also, the Bible says that. So I, that's the, I wanted to highlight that because this is the end of the book, and so much of this book has been uh, philosophical or 
uh, theoretical in, in nature, just trying to like build the context around what needs to happen for you to have a conversational relationship with God. And we really hit the ground in chapter eight with some really practical, you know, stuff. And this, this chapter is just going to slam all of that stuff even further. You, you just got to show up. You have to commit, you have to be intentional about it. Um, so that's, I mean, that, that's how he starts the chapter. Um, and I don't know if there's anything in the first couple of pages that really stood out to you, Dave. Um, I have quite a few, but I would I would love to stop talking and let you share your thoughts for a minute. Um, you know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back up a little bit in terms of. Um, so I was sharing with you before we started recording that I'm I'm at training this week, and the training that I am at really kind of revolves around um, our our well being, our mental health. And really kind of like, you know, there's just, there's just a piece of, you, you have to have some sort of, well, and this is, so this is, I, I guess maybe just an observation I made is that having a faith system is very important to mental, mental health. So like just from a research standpoint, uh, believing some believing in something bigger than yourself, you know, is um, a critical part to good mental health. And even if you know um, anybody that's familiar with alcoholic Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the, this concept of submitting to a higher power. But one of the things that I feel like has happened this week is. People are very quick this week to talk about being a Christian. And I am a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. I have Christian faith. And I've just been absolutely intrigued by, you know, there's 30 some people in this room. Uh And I'm like, I, I like, I truly am just like, I want to know what that means to every individual. And. I don't think either you or I claim to have arrived. No. <laughs> or be an example that people should follow. But one of the things I'm like is like it has just almost seemed too easy for people to throw that out. And I don't know that I completely have a point with this other than as I read Dallas, oh, and that's that's even the other thing that's been kind of crazy this week. Like a couple different times, like before we've gotten onto a topic, there's been a Dallas quote, Dallas Willard quote at the type at the top of Really? Um, yeah. Well, and so I will just say I know one of the instructors, and I do know that he is a believer, and I do do believe that he's a Christian. But I and, and I know we're not supposed to we're not supposed to compare our faith to other people. But I am just, I was just like truly intrigued to know what does it mean to that person to say, I am a Christian. Yeah. And I don't even know that I'm conveying this properly, but I'm like, it just seems so easy to just toss that out there. I'm a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home, which I I, I even think those two things are two very different things. Um. 
but what does it mean for us to really be a follower of Christ? And as I read this chapter and in in the book as a whole, I know I don't totally meet the standard in for this. Well, I don't even know that there's a standard. There's certainly more like in, in, in reference to your, like, I want to go, I go sit on the couch. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we all have more that we could do. And <laughs> um, he even talks about this again in, in the book of, you know, salvation is not earned, but there's certainly an effort on our part. Um, in my ramblings, I, I'm just going to say, I am curious as to what it means to say in America in 2022, I'm a Christian. And then what do those people, and again, I'm not judging anybody. I'm truly curious. What do they do day in, day out, hour to hour, minute by minute to pursue their faith, to pursue God? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I don't, I don't say this like judgmentally or, but I think there is definitely, and it just probably goes without saying, but there's certainly this element of in America, calling yourself a Christian doesn't really mean anything. It is truly just a label only. Um, and I find myself going, I want to know you these individuals like I want I want to explore this with you like mm-hmm. let's dig into this let's just dig in what it really means to be um a Christian so okay I've rambled on long enough myself so uh <laughs> in in my chapter nine which I think it's like the second page um what stood out to me and I think even kind of maybe I should just started with this, but this is, I guess, a little bit of what I was getting at is it the the paragraph starts misunderstandings, mental confusions and mistake, mistaken beliefs about God and communications between him and his creatures make a strong walk with him impossible. Even if we don't think about how we hear God or not, I have seen I have seen repeatedly confirmed and often tragic cases the dire consequences of refusing to give deep, thoughtful consideration to the ways God chooses to deal with us. Instead, people often rely on whatever whimsical ideas and preconceptions about his ways have been flying around. And in classic Dallas, the last line is, that is very dangerous to our health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And again, I I don't mean to be judging these people, but again, do we have that weight, that gravity, that just sense of if I am being flippant about my faith and who God is and how he communicates to me, well, then that is a very, very serious situation because it is not something to be um, taken lightly or entered into lightly or again, just, just, just sort of this, like, uh, I like the idea, a whimsical idea, you know? So anyway, 
it is is dangerous to our health and our, our well-being if we don't take this seriously. And even as I talk about other people and their faith, there is an element of I'm certain that I fall into that category to some degree in terms of I don't take it seriously enough. Yeah, so doing this a little backwards to, to sort of maybe end that thought, there's the paragraph before what you just read, the very short one mm-hmm. says, faith is not opposed to knowledge. It is nope. opposed to sight, which is a great um, juxtaposition because a lot of people would say faith is opposed or is opposed to knowledge, right? You can't right. have both, and that's just, frankly, that's untrue. <laughs> like, at, at, at first, like, testing of that statement, right? So faith is not opposed to knowledge, it is opposed to sight, and grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. And that second part is so freaking good, Dave. Yep. And we'll unpack, he'll unpack that part later in the chapter, but just thinking about that, grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. And that's a sermon right there <laughs> that so many people need to hear. And it says, commitment is not sustained by confusion, but by insight. The person who is uninformed or confused will inevitably be unstable and vulnerable in action, thought, and feeling. And then follows what you read uh, before. And this is all building towards him saying, we need to study the Bible. We have to be informed. We have to know what it says, right? We have to have a understanding of God's word. Otherwise, we're going to be unstable and vulnerable in action, thought, and feeling. It's going to be dangerous to our health and well-being because we're going to be suspect or subject to those whimsicals and ideas and preconceptions that are flying around us. And guess what? The culture changes those at a drop of a hat. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's the what's culturally the correct answer this week will be wrong in six months, will be wrong in two years, will be wrong in a decade and a half. Like, that's just the nature of the beast um, when it comes to that. It, it, whereas the opposite option is to be founded and surrounded and full of God's word that doesn't change and hasn't changed and will not change. It, it's, it's diametrically opposed in pretty much every way to the flippant, whimsical, uh, you know, will of the masses that just changes generation to generation or, or year to year. So that's the first two pages of the chapter. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I do want to say, though, I do think there is an element of... I'm not always, so yeah, culture changes and how it influences Christianity. But I, but I also do think that there can be, um, I do think there is an element of while God's word doesn't change and he doesn't change. I do think that there is, even with well-intentioned people that we can kind of veer off the path a little bit. And that, you know, it's just that whole, you know, if you're off a degree or two and then the farther you go, the wider that gap becomes. Mm-hmm. And so I do think there are things out there that get taught and that veer off and that become things that have to be corrected. And that through our individual walk, well, 
my experience has been in my individual walk. And then as I am in community with other believers that there's kind of this element of, um, Oh, what we thought to be true was not true. And me individually in my walk have kind of come to that conclusion. And then as I talk to other Christians that I, I believe are walking and seeking him, we all kind of come to that conclusion and there can kind of be a correction. And again, nothing new, but an example would be um, what we talked about with our um, our 200th episode in terms of like the liturgical calendar. And I don't think there's anything sacred per se about the liturgical calendar, but it is definitely one of those things that like, I feel like as over time the church has gotten away from. And even in that conversation in our 200th episode, there was kind of a, a, an agreement that we were all like, yes, there's some value to this and we return to it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and again, I don't think there's anything in and of the liturgical calendar in and of itself. But it does hold some value. And I do think the evangelical church kind of got away from that sort of a thing. And then there's like a collective um, body of believers that are starting to go, oh, there's there's some value in this. Let's bring it back. Let's revisit it. Well, And I think if I can interject here real quick, one of the reasons that it is helpful to everyday believers is that if you follow the liturgical calendar, there are morning and evening readings for every single day. And there are specific passages of scripture that are set for specific points throughout the calendar that celebrate certain different milestones and the history of the church, Jesus's ministry, all that sort of stuff. It keeps you grounded and reading and involved with and going back to the word of God. In right. a very simple, you don't have to know where, you know, uh, in, uh, you know, Isaiah, it talks about, you know, uh, the suffering servant, but you'll read it and you'll go, oh, that's Jesus. And then as you read it, you'll learn, okay, it's Isaiah 53, right? And that's but like, the, the point is, is for people that know nothing about the Bible, they can use mm-hmm. a liturgical calendar and be and just be sub- submerged in scripture. Mm-hmm. They can use the table of contents to find what they're looking for. And then as they follow and as they read and as they get the cadence of, you know, Lent and then Easter, and then you get, you know, to Advent and Epiphany and like all, of, you know, Pentecost and all of these things that the calendar is built around. There's, there's a cadence and a flow and it's all rooted in scripture. Yeah. And can you take it way too far? Sure. Yeah, and make it, <laughs> and make it its own, a law unto itself. Absolutely. But to your point, and I think the reason a lot of people in the last five to 10 years have started making that trek back towards liturgy in service and in their own lives is because it provides a structure mm-hmm. for them to be absolutely. consistently in the word. Yep. And if that's the reason they're doing it, more power to them. Because that's what we need. We need to be in Scripture right. routinely and regularly and let that time in Scripture lead us towards time listening to God and speaking with God, right? It's yep. It's a beautiful thing that way. 
So, uh, next section, I suppose. <laughs> so, okay. So, well, next section of the book, same. Back to the original idea of seeking and, and looking and, and pursuing. Um, it's the bottom of 195 for me. It says, our ability to recognize God's voice in our souls and to distinguish it with practical certainty from other competing voices is acquired by effort and experimentation, both on God's part and ours. It does not come automatically by divine imposition and command. Yeah. Those who really want to live under God's guidance and who by proper teaching or other social or special provision made by God become convinced that he will speak and perhaps is speaking to them uh, can proceed to learn through experience the particular quality, spirit, and content of God's voice. And again, it's that that last line of the first paragraph. It does not come automatically by divine imposition or command. You have to work at hearing it and then distinguishing it over time what is god what is not you know and i love the fact that he included included experimentation there Mm -hmm. uh that is not an unbiblical thing to say there are multiple times in scripture where we see people putting what they think is god's voice to the test to ensure that it actually is before they follow through with what it's telling them to do and i think it's easy for us to be like oh they don't have enough faith or they're doubting Thomas's right. Like, you know, when in reality, I mean, in, in some instances they're trying to get out of what it says. Right. But in other instances, they're genuinely wanting to make sure this is actually God's voice speaking to them because they don't want to act unless it is. And I think that's a totally, not only a reasonable but wise thing to do is to ensure to the best of your ability that if you think God is telling you to do something, you really figure out if it's him. Because <laughs> if it's not, yikes. Yeah, but I would even say just farther down on that page, he talks about one great cause of confusion is that people make infallibility a condition of hearing God. And then he basically just says that to understand that God's word is communication and that communication occurs constantly in context where infallibility is completely out of the question. And so sometimes I think we can put this burden of, we have to be right every time mm-hmm. where that's basically Dallas is saying that is, it's just not possible. We're not going to get it right every time and that's okay. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. And I, I guess my my response would be, I think, again, with with a lot of this stuff, you have to, through experimentation and time, find that sweet spot. Because mm-hmm. you can, there's the whole, like, you know, paralysis by analysis thing, right? You could sit there for a month and test if it's God or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's not that's not the point. But it's also the, we don't want to be flippant with it, as as we were talking about earlier, right? And right. so it's, it's learning in your experience with God, how to distinguish his voice, but treat it with the gravity it is, but also don't beat yourself up if you swing and miss. (laughs) Is that fair? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I know we don't want to be flippant, and I know we don't no. want to ever not move. And that, and that, it's just like, oh, how do you, like, your relationship with your wife when you guys were first married, there was probably a lot more verbal communication to get to understanding. Right. To where now you've been together long enough, you guys can probably just look at each other or say like two or three things and go, okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> like, right. yeah, you know, and it's because you figured out over time how to properly understand each other. And yeah. there's plenty of times where you didn't and plenty of times where you have and you've learned, right? And Absolutely, the same thing with yeah. like raising your kids. You, you go through that same struggle of having to work really, really hard when they're young to get them to understand certain things. And then as they get older, and here's the part where I'm hoping this is true, there's less work <laughs> to yeah. get to an understanding, oh, right? Because definitely. of the, the built-in trust, the built-in experience, the their own experience, their their wisdom as they grow. And I think it's just a natural thing, but we have to we have to keep that that idea of like showing up and showing up, right? Whether whether yeah. we whether we just I mean swung and missed and landed on our faces or the last time we just oh man we nailed it first time because it's not a competition right it's it's a relationship and it's about just showing up whether you have to say I'm sorry or whether you have to you know give a big like hug or now I'm just rambling I I'm, <laughs> I need to shut up but I think I've made my point about seventeen times so I'm gonna but I do appreciate you calling out that infallibility part because that's a huge um, a huge part. Of, of this chapter and, and him trying to balance right his, oh, his sure. argument. Yeah, so definitely I, I would have missed that. So thank you kindly, good sir. <laughs> sure. So yeah, I you know, I think that the this this chapter as a whole is kind of the most pragmatic that I've seen Dallas Willard. You know, he's he, he definitely is not formulaic, but he does kind of give these general guidelines of this is how long I wait. I generally get an answer within this time. If I don't get an answer, I don't sweat it. Um, but it's he definitely kind of puts out there some just sort of like this is how I do it. This is when I hope for or expect an answer, um, which. Again, kind of coming near the end, it's it's fairly um unusual for for dallas willard and again he, he's like this is not a formula don't try to copy this this is what works for me and i find to be true mm -hmm. so he quotes um in the listening for god section he quotes uh one frederick b meyer who he says is once again helpful at this practical level uh be still each day for a short time sitting before god in meditation and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the Christ, the truth of Christ's indwelling. Ask God to be pleased to make known to you what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. And he's he's referencing Colossians one twenty seven, um, which frankly I just think we should read Colossians one probably like twice a week. Just <laughs> it's just so good. But I mean, just thinking about this for a second, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the truth of Christ's indwelling. I never in my life before I read this would have thought to do that. But it's true. If we are saved, right? The Christ indwells us, like, which is a crazy thing to think about, right? But to sit there and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what that truth is and mm -hmm. what that means for us, like, 
that kind of scares me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. And then even further, ask God to be pleased to make known to you what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, that mystery being our, our salvation in Christ and, and oh, that whole, the whole thing. And that, I, like, I feel like we're asking God to, like, appear in, like, a burning bush. Like, that, it's like, it feels like that level of access. Right. Which I don't think many of us are comfortable with. I think a lot of us freak out about, like, praying and hearing God's voice, which is, like, maybe why we're reading this book, right? <laughs> but then but then to jump from that to, like, God, I want to hear your voice so that I can, you know, know what to do and, and know how to follow you better, to reveal the truth of Christ's indwelling. And, God, would you be pleased to make known to me this great mystery that you have done through <laughs> Jesus? Like, that's like 500 level stuff, I think. And yeah. I, I mean, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but at the same time, I feel like that shouldn't put us off. Like, if asking those questions makes us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. then I think it's the kind of uncomfortable that we should lean into. Sure. Yeah. You know? Because what's the worst that could happen? (laughs) God says no. You're probably not going to do that. I think the worst and and a potentially best thing that could happen is that you become way more aware of your sin. Mm -hmm. And while that will be a terrible feeling, it will also be accompanied by that grace. Yeah. Because it's not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. You don't you don't have to earn it, and and because of any deeper knowledge of your sin, should be directly related to a deeper knowledge and understanding of grace. Mm-hmm. And so it might feel gross for a few minutes, but it's probably going to wind up feeling even better because holy cow, even that, even that, is covered. Yeah. I might have to cut. I might have to type this up and put this somewhere. <laughs> the bathroom mirror feels all too cheesy, so maybe I'll put it on my desk so I see it during the work day when I'm generally generally so focused on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and again, I just I think as I look at this the book and the 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 chapter of and I don't even know what where am I at? So it talks about the perfect will of God. And I've got, again, a bunch of things that underline, but just, just reiterating that idea of God does not have one particular thing that we're supposed to do in a given situation. And that if we miss that one opportunity, um, that's well, if we, if we choose that one thing, then we're in God's will. If we miss that one thing, then we're out of his will. And I think there is a, you know, a broad, broad spectrum of things that we can do. Um, I do believe that there's, there's points where he may have a specific word for us or a specific thing for us, but it is not like every decision, every moment, every day, there's only one right thing and we're either in God's will or we're not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I suppose 
This is a few pages before that, and it, it, it it's of the same general idea. It says generally, and I think this is I think this is really really helpful advice. Generally, it is much more important to cultivate the quiet inward space of a constant listening than to always be approaching God for a specific direction. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I feel like if if we had to take away a quote that we were able to summarize so much of both the the theory and the practicality, it, it's this. Now, obviously, if you only heard this quote, you wouldn't understand the rest of the book. But like this idea of focusing on cultivating that that quiet, personal space between you and God where you can just be consistently, you can go back to it, as opposed to being like, all right, God, do I turn left or turn right? Great, talk to you in two days. Okay, uh, red or blue today, right? You know, but this this constant, you know, the quiet place that that you and, and he meet, whether you're in line at the store or brushing your teeth before bed or before a big meeting or, you know, like just this constant place that you can go to that is focused on just being present and not about results, but about mm-hmm. relationship. And that... I just I know it's right, but it sounded cheesy because they both started with R's. But like <laughs> that's true. Like we don't we shouldn't be focused on results. We should be focused on cultivating relationship, right? Yeah. Cultivating an understanding of his voice so that when we hear it, we know it and we recognize it. Yep. And that's what I'm after, frankly. That's why I wanted to read this book. Not just because Dallas wrote it and I think he's <laughs> wonderful. Um but like that it says developing a conversational relationship with God. It's a subtitle of the book. Like that's, you get that in that quiet space, not just give me instructions, God, like the drive through type stuff. And and that is what I want because I've tried it the other way (laughs) and it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not what God wants. It's not what God designed us for. It's not yeah. what his word tells us is best for us. It's a whole lot easier, but it's a whole lot worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, about three pages from the end in my book, it's page 276. Um, book has way more pages than mine. Yeah. So, you know, we... We called this podcast Masterclass. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the Masterclass of Life, or the, yeah, a Masterclass on Life where Jesus is the instructor. And to me, uh, this particular paragraph, which um, I think it falls, well, I know it falls under in my book, it falls under Living Well with God in All of Life. But it says, while I was teaching at a pastor's conference, one pastor asked me, what was the human issue? Irrespective of church life or religion that Jesus came to address. And this is the question facing Christian church today. My answer was was this. Jesus came to respond to the universal human need to know how to live well. He came to show us how through reliance on him, we can best live in the universe as it really is. 
And then he quotes John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's just, you know, to me, as I was reading this and like, you know, we haven't decided if we're doing the the epilogue or not, but just as I was finishing the, the last main chapter of the book and that we've called this masterclass and now we're reading, we're actually doing a Dallas book. Um, it just struck me as there it is. You know, he is the one that tells us how we can have life and have life to the fullest. And, um, I don't know, just seemed poetic, seemed, (laughs) um, just appropriate as I finished that chapter. I was almost done with that chapter. Yep. So good. So, so good. All right. Well, this may or may not be the last episode on hearing God. We'll find (laughs) out. I wish we knew, but you know, sometimes you just gotta let the future be a little mysterious. Yes. So this has been the 212th episode, uh, rendition, if you will, of the masterclass podcast. You can find show notes uh, in your podcast player of choice or at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 212. We'll have links to the book if uh, you listen to all of these and decided, oh, maybe I want to read it now. <laughs> There'll be a link there. It is not an affiliate link. We will not make any money, so feel no shame in clicking on it if you're interested. We don't get any money from it, and that makes me feel really clean and happy and like a good person not the people that use them are bad this is my own personal issue so maybe i'll just end the show no how about that Uh, (laughs) he's dave i'm cam this is the master class we'll be back next time Bye. bye